My beautiful, beautiful, powerful listeners, it's time for another episode of the Powerful Egg Startup Stories podcast. And are you in for a treat today? No, probably not. (laughs) I can't even say it with a straight face. You guys, it's so fun. The people that I get to meet and bring on here for you. So who I have with me today is Jessica Love, the CEO and founder of The Courage Revolution. And I mean, what's not to love in that alone? You know, it's just such great branding, naturally, (laughs) which is so fun. And so um, Jessica stripped back to pure self as as she went through life, kind of doing the book of life and doing the things that she's supposed to do. um, It just started to get tight and constricted and it was, you know, time to change. And so she had a spiritual awakening that she'll take us through and it opened up her access to seeing the world in a bigger way and led her to founding a company, leaving a full-time job as a nurse, nursing career, and, you know, over a decade in that. So like a big shift. It's it's a significant change <clears throat> um, to starting an online coaching business and selling off her life and moving across the country um, to to start fresh and start something new and wonderful. So welcome to the show, Jessica. I'm excited to have this conversation with you and talk about courage and growth and self-love and all the things. Yes. Thank you, Mia, so much. I'm excited to be here and it's it feels nice to be on the other side. I mean, yeah, I does. wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that for a little bit. And then I finally kind of just started like putting myself out there more. And I was like, uh-huh. okay, I like this. Uh-huh. Like I can do this. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a total different energy when you're a guest instead of hosting. Like, I, I'm always a bit more relaxed <laughs> as a guest. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to let that veil down. So, I mean, you know, take us through it. Like you came from a Mormon upbringing you were ticking all the boxes, you got married, you had this career. And then what was it that started to cause a rub that started to cause an awakening in your life? I will tell you, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm really grateful for part of me that's the part of me that has always been there and that yeah. always has like kept me rooted in myself, no matter how far away from that Mm -hmm. I have gone. Mm -hmm. Because even since I was younger, I remember that I just didn't subscribe to what everyone else did, like my Mm -hmm. whole life. You know, even from when I was a kid, my mom was like, you know, even just as soon as you were born, you were like my little old soul child that you never really fit in with kids your age. And you always like, blended in really well with adults and, you know, just was always very different and very wise beyond my years. And I'm the third one in, in a family of four kids. So Mm. then it's kind of like, you're like kind of, kind of sort of a middle child, but I was the first girl. So my brothers are really, really close in age. They're a day shy of a year apart in age. So they're the same age for one day. Mm -hmm. And so they were a lot of trouble together. And then I was a couple of years after that. So then it was like, the freaking golden child. So Uh it is very fascinating how, who we become as a child, right? Like the environment that shapes us, how 
we start to just pick up along the way a lot of identities that aren't truly us. It's like, who did you need to become in the environment that you were in to, to feel loved, to survive, whatever it is, right? So I picked up a lot of these false identities, which I didn't mm. know were false identities. And this has been very much a peeling back of all the layers throughout the years. And I will tell you, it is wild how fast things start to happen when you really let go of all the ties that bind you. Yes. So I didn't subscribe to a lot of the religious stuff. I did what I was told. I uh, was a good girl, right, right. you know, it's like, okay, we're going to church, but I definitely right. grew up in a very, like what they call Jack Mormon family because my dad was a convert in his twenties. Okay. So he wasn't like devout in the religion. Like my mom was, but mm-hmm. my mom, even though my mom was devout in the religion, she didn't, she experienced life a little different than my dad. And she saw what it was like when people didn't go to church and didn't have the religion to like kind of hold them together because mm-hmm. her dad kind of went off the deep end in that way. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, obviously her, her mom got, my grandma got divorced and remarried at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So my mom was really in the religion. My dad was a convert. So we had this kind of mixture of like very blurred lines, mm-hmm. you know, where it was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. One day we're like, following all the rules and the next day Mm -hmm. we're not. So I was already in that environment where it was, I could exist on either side whenever it was necessary. So my parents weren't crazy, crazy strict with forcing us to be involved in everything associated with the religion, especially in terms of like seminary, right? Like seminaries during the week. And that's that um, hour before school that you go. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like Bible study. My parents never really forced us to go to that. They tried to tell us to, and then we just slept in the car. And so then they stopped trying. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was, it was funny. Break the system. So then my parents were also very strict with the rules. So my brothers broke a lot of rules. So then it came down really strict on me Um, and same kind of thing. It's like, I didn't, I wasn't that kid that was trying to rebel. I just wanted to learn for myself. mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to have the choice. And so then I started dating someone when I was 15 that was completely opposite than everything I knew. And that was actually appealing to me. Mm -hmm. And I've told my mom to this day that I swear if I would have had more freedom to like make my own choices, I never would have chosen someone like that. But that was also just part of my spiritual journey, right? Part of my path in my life. So he grew up on the back of a Harley Davidson and his dad used to roll with hell's angels motorcycle club. Right. So it's right very, out of a book, right? Like <laughs> very Mormon family, lots of kids Ooh, rebellious, but not exactly. You're just exploring, right? You're just looking exactly. for other so things. He was like my ticket to like get out of the house and experience life a little more. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, you mix that with, the concepts of the religious part of relationships where it's kind of like, you know, you date to get married and the person you Mm -hmm. marry, you don't get divorced kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, okay, we'd been together since we were teenagers. So then I go off to college and we broke up for Mm -hmm. like a week, but then we basically Mm -hmm. stayed together and we, you know, I Mm -hmm. came back home and we stayed together since then. So that was just a lot of like, okay, checking the boxes in life where my parents are like, you're going to go to college. Your siblings, they're not mm-hmm. going to do something like that. We're depending on you to go to college yeah, and make yeah. something of yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. I was like the golden child. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was very unconsciously just like doing what I was told 
slash like a little rebellious. Right. So then I, I came home from college and I ended up moving in with him and his family, which that didn't go over well. So, you know, years into like us being together and, you know, I graduated school, he was in school and working too. So yes, I saw differences with us, but it wasn't any of those things that weren't like figure outable. Basically it's like, yes, he had a very different upbringing, but he said he wanted a different life. And this is something that I've learned as I've gotten older that people have to really want it from their core and they Mm -hmm. have to be willing to be able to like heal and grow and like leave that stuff there to be able to move on. And it's like, he never really did all that. He just ignored it and said it didn't happen, you know, and some stuff came out like later on throughout our relationship that his family had told me that kind of made sense that like there was Mm -hmm. a possibility that he was molested as a kid and some things. And it made sense in our relationship of like some of the issues we had. So then of course, you know, we're in our, we're in our twenties, we're going to school, we're working. We were definitely more like roommates then, but we're like very much adulting. Right. Well, then we both graduate school. We get engaged. We buy a house that's out of the city from where he grew up. I have lived multiple cities in multiple cities throughout my life. So it doesn't really bother me. My family were very tight knit regardless. Right. So didn't think anything of it for me, but for him, he could not hang. Like he didn't, he didn't like change. Mm -hmm. And I was working a lot and I was Mm -hmm. working a lot of night shift. And I didn't know that he didn't like being alone. Mm -hmm. So then it created a lot of problems in our relationship and it's interesting, like I said, like the, your conditioning, how you bring it into certain parts of your life. And yeah. in that part of my life, I was so deep in the conditioning of marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. You do whatever it takes to make that person happy. And so mm-hmm. I was, I was carrying the burden of his happiness mm-hmm. unconsciously, like didn't know that this wasn't normal. Right. And so I was basically carrying the weight of the relationship. And then at a certain point in time, it's like, okay, this was like way too much. We had some drama before we got married. Mm-hmm. And so we split for a couple of weeks. And then it was like, I had the come to Jesus moment to him. And we had never had any issues, never had any drama. So that was like our first big, like wake up call. Mm-hmm. So said, are we going to do this or not? You know, otherwise like we're splitting assets. Cause at this point we owned a home, all lots of property together. Yeah. So then um, we were able to basically come together and decide like we were going to work things out. Mm-hmm. I didn't put the ring back on until he reproposed a certain amount of time later where we kind of figured out that we were going to do this. Then eventually we did get married, but we were together 10 years before we got married. Mm-hmm. So then in that year, a lot of things happened. It was so crazy. It was like all of a sudden, yes, I was more important because I was a wife, but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden all the secrets started coming out. Have you ever seen that I identity show where it was like, who the bleep did I marry? That's how no. I felt. Okay. That's how I felt. I was like, okay. what the heck? Like, uh, who is this person? I've known for this long. Like right. he's been hiding all these things. And basically it was like, well, it, that was before we were married. So it didn't count. And I was like, no. And then he developed a cocaine problem. And oh, then it was gosh, like, right. okay, wait, no, oh, this is wow. not, this is not what I wanted. So that was a huge thing where it was like, everything came in at once. Uh And it was basically the universe putting it all in front of me and saying, is this truly what you want? And I felt how it felt to self-abandon. 
And I, that's, mm-hmm. but I realized mm-hmm. at that point, that was my conditioning. Yeah. And here's like a big thing that I'm taking into what I am bringing to the world now is the courage to come home to ourselves, yeah. to wake up to the fact of this is not who I am. These are just all the identities that I've accumulated over time. Mm-hmm. And that's not truly who I am to my core. Right. And what I like to tell people is it's not that life is going to be totally all rainbows and butterflies. No, but you have to be able to develop the capacity to experience the range of things, that's to experience right. the range of discomfort, but that the range of joy, right? The range mm-hmm. of love mm-hmm. in all the different areas. Because if you can't handle the pain that you've experienced and be able to process that, you'll never be able to experience love that is truly meant for you also, and that you're here to experience. So to be able to like, think about, okay, life's not going to be all rainbows and rainbows and butterflies, but if you are waking up and it, you're miserable, if it is an everyday struggle, you are holding on to something that is not meant to stay. People and things in our lives are meant to be there for a season and they are not meant to be forever. But I feel like we've all been conditioned for codependency. And I feel like something recently that I kind of discovered that I feel like we're not having enough conversation about is what were you taught that is love? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. because think about so many people were taught different things about love And like I said, a lot of us were taught codependency. So we were taught that, well, I have to be a certain way and things have to be a certain way for this to be love, right? And for me to feel loved and for me to accept love. And we all have a different variation of that depending on what we've experienced. And I've realized over the years of just kind of peeling off the layers of who I'm not, but also the identities that I did pick up and why. And to be able to acknowledge where those came from, And to be able to acknowledge like how you get into those patterns, it's like those grooves that your brain makes, those neuro pathways that you make that you will fall into if you aren't conscious of it. So it's like our, our journey is just waking up more and more to everything that we're not and really feeling into and owning unapologetic, everything that we actually are and everyone and everything that's meant to fuel that in our lives will stay. Because we like start to cling, cling to everyone and everything. So here's um, some things that are coming through in playing it back and, and um, you know, listening to this story. You were shown in a way what the world was meant to be like, right? So our families kind of teach us what the world was meant to or how the world functions to the best that we know, because you only know what you know till you figure it out for yourself. And um, one crazy example that I love is like, if a baby saw a human get up and start to fly around a room, they would just understand that as what it is. (laughs) They wouldn't question it. So this is what's happening as we experience, but we arrive through the womb, through life as this pure version of self. And so listening to you in all of this, it's we're being shown different things to continue to remember who we are, right? So it's not so much a a discovering through a myriad of experiences who you are. It's always like slowing down and 
going back to within to check and see if it's aligned or not. But as children, we, we may not have that consciousness yet. And, you know, certainly like I have young children and sometimes I'm just a crazy person just trying to get through the day, never mind teach like holistic self-awareness, <laughs> but it's a disservice. And, and part of, you know, what I'm seeing in the online coaching industry and a lot of the languages is actually bringing that in so that we show up as ourselves for ourselves and have that impact to others. And as more people partake in this, then we're changing, um, the next generation's ability to kind of get there sooner. Yes. And basically you become who you needed at some point in time. And I will tell you back then I did not have, I did not have anybody that was conscious in my life. And honestly, I looked around at the relationships in my life and I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. well, mine's not that bad, you know? And I never felt, I never Mm -hmm. felt this like, cool and amazing, like feeling of, oh my gosh, this is my soulmate life partner, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, he's just not that bad. Right. Like he's not them. And And he's also all you knew, right? Like 15 to about age 30, maybe by the sounds of the timeline, like 27. Yeah. 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 It's just all, you know, so you're just kind of in it and doing it and, you know, not, not sure. Even if you see something that might be so-called better, you're not sure that it necessarily is because you you're in your own experience and trying to make that work. Well, and I'm like a very loyal person to fault like that though, where like, even if I saw quote, quote better, I wouldn't have seen it because I have blinders on Mm -hmm. and I'm very like protective of the relationship that I'm in, you know? And there was even a point that I had to choose between him and my family because Mm -hmm. I have this big, really close, but very opinionated family And that made it really difficult. And this is where I I check myself all the time of like where I need to have boundaries is to allow people the space to figure it out. Like let them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. air it out, let them get some air. And then when they're ready to come up for air, like, hey, I'm here to help you work through whatever you're going through, but to really try to not overstep things and to not deny them that experience. Cause that's the thing is that their own learning. Yes. Yes. My family had a lot of opinions, Mm -hmm. but it it only came from like this outside perspective, which was the lens that they lived their life through and not my own experience of like what I experienced behind closed doors, you know? And it wasn't Mm -hmm. the same. That's the thing is that in the end, there were some things that did end up manifesting to be true, Mm -hmm. but it was never true up until that point you know, oh, okay. and the reasonings, stuff uh-huh. like that. So okay. then it was kind of like, really You're only getting know. pieces of the story as you went, right? And so it's hard to listen to somebody else's version when they don't know all of it, or it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, and you're just trying to do your best with what you know at the time, which I think is what you're saying. You're, you're who you need to be in any given moment, but it can lead you to who you're becoming and to what's coming next. And the time depends on how receptive you can drop in and yeah. and appreciate the lessons that are coming, right? And yeah. like, I mean, I was in an eight-year bad relationship and it it just takes the time it takes. And a girlfriend at the time was in a also in a bad one. And I remember her saying like, Mia, when am I going to know? I said, sweetie, you're just going to know when you know, like you have to get there in your own time. 
Yep. And I tell that to everyone, you know, and even, even other people that I come across, I'm like, just know that you are valuable and that you will get whatever you tolerate. It's not about Mm -hmm. what you, somebody said to me recently said, I don't understand what I did to deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's not about if you deserve it or not. It's why are you tolerating it? Why do you think that's what you deserve by choosing it? So I wish somebody back then could sit me down and ask me these questions, not tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And here's the interesting part of all that is that I love how our awakening happening happens for some people, at least for me, it did in layers to where mm-hmm. I became a certain amount of conscious mm-hmm. after I decided I wanted a divorce, right? Totally uprooted my life. Like this is funny as I like take a wrecking ball to my life every 10 years, right? So totally uprooted everything, sold my house, gave him like everything, paid just him to get off. Away. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just, just to get go. away. And then I switched departments too. I changed departments at work. And Mm -hmm. so then I had a whole different scenery Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I was going to therapy and everything, but it's so interesting that multiple times that I've gone to therapy, I have such a different experience than other people. And multiple times, basically I've gone in this like crisis mode and just really Mm -hmm. needed somebody to give me this like really blunt perspective. Like I love men therapists because they give it to me straight. They don't sugarcoat things. I had tried to go see a therapist when we had broken up and she, it was like this older lady that was like, well, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Maybe he's just drinking too much. Uh And here's uh some activities you could do that don't involve alcohol. And I was like, what? Mm. Okay. And then these two other male therapists that I've been to, you know, in that, in the years since then, they both are like, okay, you have a good head on your shoulders. You seem like a very mature, responsible person. You just have to not let people manipulate you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it takes two. And it was so funny when I walked into therapy, it was literally like the day after I filed for divorce, I walked in and I was like, I think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. And then he says, you know, that it, it takes two. And like, logically I knew that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like internally I didn't know that. And it was like, I was hearing that for the first time. And I was like, what, you know, he's like, yeah. Cause I couldn't understand why I couldn't make it work. And he's like, because Mm -hmm. it's a a two people to make it work, two people to break it, you know? And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So became more conscious of things. It's interesting how this happens though, because then you just start to become more conscious of the world outside you, mm-hmm. not necessarily your internal world. And mm-hmm. all that did yeah. was fuel almost like me focus on the external world. Like then you get so obsessed with figuring everyone else out mm-hmm. and not yeah. necessarily yourself. So of course, then I'm still in healthcare. Like, yes, I switched departments, but it was that like, nagging thing in my gut that like baseline level of dissatisfaction that I didn't know how to trust because it was so loud and obnoxious in my marriage that I couldn't ignore it. Mm -hmm. But then it still existed after my marriage, but to such a lesser extreme that then I didn't really know what that was. I thought it was just, okay, you know, Maybe I just need to try something different. I didn't even consider that that wasn't the career for me until years later. And then finally, like a couple of years before COVID, 
it was like, okay, is this really it for me? Right. And I was the big thing for me was I was dating someone with a toddler and her favorite thing was some damn YouTube channel of these kids opening up toy packages. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. She called it like the poppy eggs because they were when trolls came out and these kids are making millions of dollars. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that was like another stage of my awakening of Uh what am I doing? Alternative careers, right? Like if a kid can reach a YouTube channel of significant revenue, what other opportunities are out there that I'm not seeing? So here from age 15 to 27, tasked with um, not being a people pleaser, not carrying that pressure that you described as, as the golden child in the family, and then releasing that and a big experience and very cathartic. Like it's so empowering when you finally say no more and done and stand up for yourself and comfortably, like not being a dick, right? Like not being super angry or anything about it, but just very certain and and yeah. bringing closure. And now you've kind of removed the first layer of the fog and you're like, oh, look at what I just did. Yeah. But it's like, okay, no, we're just getting started, actually. And that was like the first initiation, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Exactly. The first initiation. And you talk about like, oh, not being a people pleaser. And I was only aware of the surface level people pleasing, right? And so then further into healthcare, it's all started to kind of like fit of where I was still self-abandoning. Uh And that was in my career. And I said this in a podcast um, a couple episodes ago that my sister caught. And that was kind of cool that she caught it was that when you're in, when you're in a situation, you can't believe you have, you have to develop this awareness of like what you can believe. Right. And I acknowledged that why I was so like closed off to certain things, like believing anything else, but it's because I couldn't believe anything else because then I couldn't exist in that space. Still, if I started opening up the door yeah, to yeah. more, cause more alternative medicine stuff, cause there was some, yeah. I had some interest. I love to like think outside the box. I love to exist outside the box mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm, love mm-hmm. all the alternative things that exist in the world. But there was, there was part of me that was so resistant to fully ever diving into that. So I would dabble in it in my spare mm-hmm. time. And then it would like, it, it would just wouldn't make sense. Cause then I would come back to work and it's like, yeah. I couldn't practice any of this, yeah. you know, when I, and I had, and I was forced to push what narrative I was being told to exist in that space. Well, it wasn't until I completely left it that I understood why that was because then I wouldn't have been able to exist in that space anymore because that's what started happening. That is literally what started happening, especially with, when COVID came down and all the vaccine stuff came down and then it was like, it created this huge divide. And what Mm -hmm. I, what I realized is that I had no idea how deep my like fear of belonging Mm -hmm. went because that's the thing is that yes, I was able to leave a marriage, which is very scary for some people is to be a single person, especially for someone like me in this family full of married people with kids, right? Like everyone in my sphere was almost always married with kids. So to be able to step outside that, right. And be like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not a married person. I'll be a single person, right. Mm-hmm. To be okay mm-hmm. with being by yourself. 
but then I still clung to the identity of nursing because then that's like people that kind of understood me. And then when, once COVID hit, it created this huge divide. And now all of a sudden, all the people that like understood me and where I like, I felt like I belonged, I didn't anymore. And I didn't realize how much I was like dependent on that until it, it was gone. And then I was like, oh man, like, who am I now? Who am I now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was wild. And I never thought I was so attached to that like title at all. And then since then I've had such, that's actually been to my detriment. So I have pendulum swung in like all freaking ways in life. Okay. Yeah. So then when I left nursing, I like completely went the opposite direction and I had such a hard time owning anything in particular. So my journey with oh, okay. coaching has been interesting because I went to the life coach school mm-hmm. and I got certified through them. And mm-hmm. at the end, you can choose the entrepreneur route or the corporate route. So I chose the entrepreneur route, mm-hmm. but it just was weird because it was like, I'm learning all this stuff. And they like literally like lay it all out for you to do it like this. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it didn't fit. Didn't fit and yeah. I had so much resistance against it. So <laughs> I didn't have people at that time in my life that were more spiritual or were more like tapped in to be able to explain to me that's because mm-hmm. it's not in alignment with you. And I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't own that. And then what I learned in life coach school, learned a lot of awesome concepts, but I couldn't own that as my own either, where mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it, it works, but it's not deep enough because they go to this like whole formula of circumstances, always neutral. Then you have a thought about it. Then you have an emotion about it. Mm-hmm. Then you mm-hmm. have a, um, a reaction to it, which creates basically your result, an action that creates a result. And I'm like, yeah, but there's something deeper. Well, that's because our brain is in theta until age seven. So until age seven, we are like a computer hard drive, just taking stuff in and storing it. And then that is the lens that we see everything in the rest of our lives. So it's deeper. Your thoughts are coming from something that's so deeply rooted. So you can't just change the thought that comes up. That's not how that works. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that I was like, I was really like grabbing for straws to try to find some like ground. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had consciously like started working less. I had a plan. Okay. That I was going to start stepping away from nursing. Yes. No, universe was like, mm, no, we're going <laughs> to slam that door in your face. So I was working with a lot of- already. Let's go. <laughs> I've taken too long. Things are I was attending. <laughs> I was attending every coaching call I could. And I was like, just like, somebody please help me. Somebody please guide me. And this is why I said, yeah. like, to be able to become someone you needed, where somebody yeah. that could objectively sit there and uh, be like, okay, <clears throat> okay. And ask me questions and not just tell me things where I would go to all these coaching calls and they would be like, well, at the end, they'd be like, well, you really need to change your thoughts associated with that. Not ask me why the heck I still think I need to stay in that circumstance. So yes, the circumstance is neutral, but sometimes it's also the circumstance isn't the place you belong anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. So why are you choosing that still? So now I started switching from that place of like obsessing about the world outside me, right? We're like, we look at everyone else and we think about like, oh, this is why everyone's doing this as opposed to why am I existing in this space? And then I realized how much I was taking, I was taking in people's power 
by like them willingly giving it to me when they would come to me for advice and perspective. Mm -hmm. And I was totally unaware of that. And then I learned that in life coaching school and I was like, I don't want to take people's power away. Like I want to empower them, you know? So then I completely shifted the way I started operating where okay, people come to me for advice. And then I would start kind of just sitting back and just trying to let them figure it out. Because here's the thing is I know that it didn't matter what people said to me. I knew that I had to feel into what felt right for me. And I legitimately have like a visceral response for things and people that aren't meant for me. Mm -hmm. And you have to peel back all the layers of belonging though, of people pleasing, of, like the of that titles, internal all that programming from up to age seven. Yeah. You yeah. have to peel that back in order to differentiate what is trauma and what is alignment. Yeah. So I went to this course um, a couple weekends ago that was aligned speak to self. And one of the ladies that was teaching the course said something that just completely changed her life. And I love that once you start really stepping into your path and your power and just kind of owning things that are authentically meant for you Mm -hmm. and you start to align with the people that are, are helping you get to the next phase. So I sometimes like feel and experience things. I don't really know how to put into words and then I will meet somebody that that can explain it. So Mm -hmm. she had said something that changed her business. Everything for her was the question is, is it your superpower or your kryptonite? And she realized that what she thought was her superpower was actually her kryptonite, was actually a trauma response. Mm-hmm. So to being able to differentiate that, differentiate mm-hmm. that, and that that's exactly mm-hmm. what I have discovered where some of these things, like I said, the identities, where I used to be the group mom. And I used to just own that like a badge of honor, right? Right, Like, oh, I just know I'm the group mom. I'm going to take responsibility for everyone. But Mm -hmm. that 1000% was an identity that I ended up having to take on as a kid because my parents put so much responsibility on us at a young age. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're tall enough to reach the knobs. You can do your own laundry now. Oh, you're strong enough to pick up a power tool. You can go outside and work, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And realizing that actually wasn't me. And I, I was able to get to the root of my dissatisfaction that existed for years upon years. It's because I was taking on these roles that weren't authentically me, yeah. which the group mom, I am super empathic and caring, but that's just attached to my feminine. That's not a part of like mm-hmm. my actual persona and identity. Right. And my, who I am to a soul level is free spirited. You know, I have like, I have all the elements in my chart. I have a lot of like fire and air. So I don't want to be contained. And here's the thing is I was existing for so many years in these freaking containers that I was like agreeing to be in. That's the thing is that's where you take your power back instead of being like, oh, well, I had to. No, I chose to, but it's just because I didn't know any better. But once you know better, it is your duty to do better. So now I... I'm super intentional about friendships and surroundings where it's like, I will acknowledge where I feel that come back up. I mean, this summer I went and I was, you know, doing a bunch of stuff with my family Mm -hmm. and we had, you know, taken a trip and everything. And I caught myself 
I caught myself almost doing it to where yes, my sister, and especially with people that you were very energetically kind of enmeshed with. And my sister was really upset about something. And I, I literally caught myself Mm -hmm. wanting to fix it for her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, she needs to experience this discomfort because she needs to figure her shit out for herself. So it's interesting so, in, in all of this conscious of that is, you know, what I'm hearing is you're, you're realizing these different strengths that you have and the beauty and the possible service that they have, but they don't define or limit the overall picture of who you are. And then we have to self-manage how we use these skills and tools um in I don't know if it's like self-preservation but appreciation and um like energetic managing right Mm -hmm. so that they're not taken advantage of so that so that in the opportunity for manipulation one one of those beautiful strengths doesn't um creep up over the others because like everything can can serve it in a very um connecting way like being a people pleaser can be functional in certain circumstances provided that you can be in charge of those circumstances and you know have the authority the awareness to assert the authority that you want to use them in that way so here's where everything that you've described is like showing you these different attributes characteristics strengths values that you have and now you're sifting through them a few at a time one at a time and then to really um get to know them more get to like harness how you use them more you have to be tested so the situation with your sister is an opportunity of like, hey, Jessica, here comes the people pleasing, the the group mom mm-hmm. situation. What are you going to do? And, you know, we can process these things. We can journal them. But like you say, reprogramming a neural pathway means being tested in an active, um, uncontrolled situation where you get the body reaction, where you get, you know, the automatic decades long um familiarity and and mm-hmm. all of that and and so con- the rise to consciousness is layered it does reveal more and more and more as you go and it does cause big change in life because it it's harder to go back every time you know oh, yeah and, like there's i mean i'm still working full time and there's times where i get so deep into this beautiful kind of coaching and and heart healing and you know, sort of on the other side, like outside the two-dimensional world. And then you kind of wake up as though you were in a dream and you're like, oh, right, we're still on earth and we're still in these bodies and like, you know, held down by gravity. Um, But as you experience that more, you know, you start to integrate these sides together and it leads you further or closer to your true self, like you're saying, and into what you want to do, which is now by the looks of it coaching. So like from, you know, these very structured lifestyles into this completely free lifestyle. And we haven't even got to the part yet, listeners, where Jessica sold off everything a second time 
and and relocated her life in pursuit of your true authenticity and um, the empowered service of your skills and of your aligned values to well, take that's where care I was, of yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, that's where I was saying that I didn't realize there was an entirely different level of yeah. the self-abandonment and the people pleasing. Yeah. But like I said, it's like, cause so many of us, you know, our parents did the best they knew mm -hmm. of with, with that time. Right. Yeah. But I yeah. feel like the way that the earth is evolving right now mm -hmm. is that more people are waking up to breaking all those generational patterns. Yeah. So I feel like as a collective, we've all been conditioned for codependency and we all have a lot of abandonment wounds. Right. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I was self-abandoning staying in that career because mm -hmm. I, I felt that it wasn't for me. And here's been my journey of trusting like part of coming home. Right? Yes. So part of self, coming home to yourself. Abandoning. Yeah. Is not being true to what you know is inside, even if you don't know what it is. Mm hmm because then you're not making space for that to get louder and it will get louder internally oh, yes. and externally until, and if, cause not everybody does you, you get the insight, right? Like you, you lock in the lesson and then start to show up differently after. Well, I feel like it's also mm. like for everyone, it's different because it depends on obviously the journey that you chose before you came here, but what you become attuned to. Mm -hmm. So because I worked in a career that was all about body, right? All mm -hmm. about the human body, all about health. I was very in tune with my health and my body where I did compartmentalize my emotions a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was conditioned to tolerate a lot of discomfort. Mm -hmm. So then that's that one of those other things though. Is it your kryptonite or your superpower? Mm -hmm. Well, experiencing discomfort is a little bit of my kryptonite because then I end up staying longer in things because discomfort is familiar for me. Mm -hmm. So then in my career, that's what started happening where, okay, I switched departments and it seemed good for a while, but then it's like the same shit, different place would happen yeah. where I would experience the same really stressful like not okay circumstances with, you know, I was in the cardiac ICU and I had like five cardiac ICU patients to just myself because somebody went to lunch and somebody took their patient to CT. Now all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm responsible for all these patients. Mm -hmm. I can't even leave the monitor because mm -hmm. that's the only way I can watch all five of them, you know, mm -hmm. and then to another department, then, okay. A manager created a lot of really unsafe circumstances. And here's the thing is I am very, very passionate about people and about treating every person like my friend or my family member or how I, I would want to be taken care of. And then my coworkers, like my family. So I kept getting into these situations, the same place, different stuff where it was the same circumstance where it's like, I'm putting back and putting myself in a corner. I'm getting backed into a corner every time. So instead of getting really serious about, okay, what other path is meant for me? I would just change hospitals, change departments. Sure. But the time frame that that started happening got smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter. And so then what do you know? COVID came and then it came this massive divide within healthcare. And now I'm like, I don't like when I have to choose a side 
because I'm like, why do I have to choose a side? Why can't I just choose me? And so that's Mm -hmm. what it came down to is it came down to this fork in the road. And I started waking up to my patterns. That's the other thing is that we get so deep in our life today, right? So in the like everyday, like hamster wheel, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really important to create that stillness, Mm -hmm. which is something I didn't know about until I started life coaching, until I started working with a mindset coach where I created a lot more stillness, where I'm zooming out of all the everyday to-do list bull crap. And I'm actually, yeah. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. thinking about like, okay, wait, is this what I want? What do I want? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And feeling into that and getting more familiar with what I truly want to my core level, you know, and to really kind of like explore other options. So then I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I know this isn't a line for me. I'm going to, you know, create this like kind of exit strategy, but then the universe came in and it came down really hard. And so I just said, like, I got, I had such a visceral response for my body. I would sit in my car before going into work and I would like literally have to have a pep talk with myself. I would have to do some deep breathing. I would have to like get centered before I go in because I knew it was just, it was to that point that my body was so reactive to it. And here's the thing is that I did have kind of random medical issues happen but no like giant, big chronic illness. So this, you're, it's interesting because you're talking about the familiarity of body discomfort and the unfamiliarity of emotional discomfort. And now the emotional discomfort is coming out in the body, right? Mm-hmm. As like yet another signal or uh, trying to get your attention. And so then that's what I, I talk to a lot of people about now, <clears throat> where trying to really help people get back to really listening to their body because here's Mm -hmm. the thing is that pain is a late sign right pain means our body has been trying to tell us for something for a long time and then chronic illness is even later sign than that right and then injury is like a flat out like Mm -hmm. that's like the universe slamming a door in your Mm -hmm. face like somebody in the sauna the other night was telling me that they're somebody they know has is in like a terrible marriage and so crazy stuff. And he literally broke both of his ankles at the trampoline park with his kids. And I was like, if that is not a sign from the Mm -hmm. universe for you to literally stop the direction you're going, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. So getting to that point where I acknowledged that one of, one of the big, big patterns for me in all areas of my life, because here's the thing Mm -hmm. is we like to talk about things like they're separate. But they're not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your friendships, your romantic yeah. relationships, your family yeah. and your career all are connected. So for me, my pattern was staying in unaligned situations to the point where I started to have the physical discomfort and then something would happen where I would be at a fork in the road and it'd be like, are you going to self-abandon or are you going to choose yourself regardless of the consequences and really choose courage to go whatever direction you feel is right. So then that's, I acknowledge that. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to let whatever happened, happened. So they, it got to the point where it was like, okay, well, yeah, you could file an exemption, but there was a lot of strings attached. And I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight this. Like, this is dumb. I should not have to fight 
what I feel is right for me. And it was like, Mm -hmm. I should not have to ask an employer to approve or deny my beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's Mm -hmm. what the exemptions were. And then you still had to do testing and all kinds of Mm -hmm. crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that either. So I said, fine, do whatever you have to do. I threw my hands up and I said, you know, universe, you're in charge now. Right. And then it kind of came up. Well, not even that of just like, I surrender to Mm -hmm. whatever is meant for me. Right. And so then, okay, my job is gone. And now I'm like, all right, now I'm unemployed and I have a house payment, you know? So Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. already been in this phase of wanting to leave California as it was. And my mom and I had been talking about it for a while. I went and visited Texas because I had a friend here and Mm -hmm. it wasn't as far as the East coast. So that's why Mm -hmm. like Texas was literally a middle point. Mm -hmm. And I knew I knew that Texas would be like the first step. And I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm open to whatever is meant for me in the future. Right. So I was going to take a job here and I was going to buy a house here. And then it just didn't feel right. And also things didn't go through. Like I Mm -hmm. gave them my card information three times to put my like down payment, my like thing for the house. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't go through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's not a sign. I don't know what it is. So then I canceled mm-hmm. that, decided I wasn't going to do that. I was thinking about renting, but I couldn't, I couldn't fathom renting a place, choosing to be, have to stay somewhere for a year when I'd never seen the house, never seen the neighborhood. Cause everything was happening so fast that I had to make decisions and same kind of thing though, is that then nothing was aligning where it was like, okay, well, my escrows are going to close around this time. I need movers to come. I need to do this and that. And it wasn't aligning with like, oh, the house might be available this time. I'm like, that doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. I sold the majority of my stuff. But mm-hmm. what I had left, I was going to send to Texas with movers and put it in a storage unit. So mm-hmm. then, sorry, my dog was like obsessively itching. <laughs> so then nothing was aligning. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to send it to storage. And I decided I was going to do the RV life. Well, mm-hmm. I had to get another car. I had to find a trailer. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff had to align. And it did. And it worked out. And it's been such a crazy adventure since then. And I actually didn't get to Texas for another like five months. And that was because of a lot of life stuff. So the holidays came up and I said, okay, went to LA and I was with my family in LA for Thanksgiving. Well, then I went mm-hmm. to San Diego for Christmas and was there. Mm-hmm. And Christmas Eve, I got my purse stolen at the gym. Hmm. I had no car keys, no trailer keys, mm-hmm. no IDs, mm-hmm. nothing. I literally had mm-hmm. everything taken. I was planning on being on the road to Texas. The next day? No, January 1st, oh, like okay. right after Christmas. Yeah. Nope, couldn't do that. And then there was nowhere to stay in Texas, in San Diego because of the RV park restrictions and stuff like that. So I was like couch surfing for a while, like at my sister's house with my dog. And then... I finally, my cousin who lives in a different County down there, he has property. So I was able to park my trailer out there. So here I am with my dog living in my, in my cousin's backyard in my trailer. They came and stole my identity. Mm -hmm. So then I had this craziness for months of like them canceling my cards Mm -hmm. and ordering new cards Mm -hmm. in and sending it to their PO box changing my mailing address, like unlocking my credit, just crazy Mm -hmm. stuff. So then I I felt like I couldn't leave California yet. And that was interesting because then here I am not working. 
-hmm. And I did not realize how attached to how addicted to busy I was Mm -hmm. another pattern. So then it's like, and and the layers just kept, they started Mm -hmm. coming quicker and quicker. So then Mm -hmm. I realized a lot of stuff when I lived in Southern California, the layer of how attached I was not only to the identity and the belonging of nursing, but also to being busy. We're like, that's where, that was my purpose because anything we attach ourselves to is something that's going to be taken from us at some point in time, just to show us that that's not who and what we are. Mm -hmm. So navigating that. And then my family, when I was down there was like, Oh, can you help me with my dog? Oh, can you help me with my kid and this and that? And like, what are you doing? And I was like, ah, cause here I was so used to living in my own house mm-hmm. in my own city where none, none of my family lived in the same city as I did. Right. Right. So I very much did my own life and my own space. So now I don't have my own space in my own life anymore. And it was like suffocating for me. And as much as I love my family and I loved spending every moment with them, but I was ready for something else. So I literally had everything all packed up and hit the road at like 10 PM on like March the 30th and was at the RV park on April 1st by like 5 PM. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't even seen that RV park. I'd never been to it. I literally just towed my trailer straight to it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up staying there for a year and I ended up figuring a lot of stuff out. So like I said, once you clear, once you cut all the ties that are binding you. And yeah. for me, the biggest one was my career. I did mm-hmm. not realize how much that was keeping me small and bound to so many things that truly weren't meant for me for the future. Yeah. So after I like let that go and then came here and had a lot of like space things are just like, I feel like I'm in like a speed train of ascension. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Yeah. You, you don't know what opportunities are available unless you start to make space for them to show up. Yeah. And this is, you know, we call that stepping into the unknown. Um, But it like the unknown is and isn't because it will show itself to you and it is safe and abundant and you know just so full of possibility and then in that case it's a bit of pick your own adventure um but you do it in a in a higher conscious awareness where it means that you don't necessarily pursue every opportunity that becomes available, right? So, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> in what you've described, <laughs> these opportunities were here, you know, without a job, without a house, available to the family to fall back into that group mom position, to fall back into that busyness pattern. But because of, you know, the um, letting go, now you're like, oh, this isn't the opportunities that I want, although they could have been a year before, right? And that's so, it's freedom. It's really freedom to live life in the way that you want. And, you know, one piece of this that um, I'm still kind of hanging on to is how things get shown along the way. So those YouTube Mm. videos opening up your... um, perception or you know like a a real example of what else is possible outside Mm -hmm. of the nine to five you know and sort of once you drink the kool-aid you you do want more of it you do want to experience explore and see (laughs) and you can start to show up 
and improve those skills to make the choices that lead you into opportunities that you really, really want. And it sounds like, you know, you had this coaching desire, um, but it was a matter of really making it your own. So again, opportunity Mm. was the school and great, you know, kind of foundations and Mm -hmm. uh, good information and that sort of thing, but um, not in the, in the highest alignment that you would want. So there's, there's pieces where we're, we arrive in the pure sense, we're collecting the stickiness, like you said, then we're coming back to it. And the tests are all the ways that we um, show up at different turn points. <clears throat> and so what I'm trying to describe here is like, you know, it's the buffet and you know what you like, but you don't know what else you like unless you try it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where, okay. So when I got fired, all that stuff happened. I was like, just, I was so fired up. I was so fired up. Sure. Yeah. Excited. And like what's coming, what's going to, how can I take advantage or, you know, what can I get ready for? Well, and then the crazy thing was, is that, so I told my mom, I was like, you know, I'm going to lead a freaking revolution because mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that was so motivating for me, but also so heartbreaking was to work not only in the career that I did, that I saw that just every day, like death, despair, darkness, you know, like everybody just in their stuff, but how it bled into everything else. It wasn't just the patients. There was a lot of the staff were just as chronically ill and miserable as the patients. And I just kept looking around my girlfriend and I, like, this is what I love about like your soul tribe, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we've totally been on this awakening journey. Like, side by side each other, Mm -hmm. you know, in various ways. And we would, we would be at work and we would both sit there and we'd look around and be like, gosh, this, this just isn't it. This isn't it. And like really living in that survival mode and in fear Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. and lack. And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. I, I refuse to subscribe to this. And so I told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to lead a freaking revolution, but I didn't know what or how, like I said, I created, I created so much space. And the nice thing was and that this is what I wish I could just tell more people to embody mm-hmm. as much as possible is if you get the opportunity to create a lot of space in your life where you don't have to go work a certain job, you don't have to have certain like societal responsibilities, mm-hmm. freaking take it and just literally enjoy every moment of it. Like vacation, get massages, get in your best shape possible, right? pick up some new habits that you're, you know, hobbies that you're passionate about. Like, so I created so much space and I just allowed myself to be scattered as hell. Mm -hmm. I was so scattered. I was like, okay. And all these opportunities kept coming in for me. And I was like, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. And so that was cool that I was able to like, okay, just kind of like dabble in different things to see Mm -hmm. what did align and what didn't. And I was able to really trust that knowing that I had inside that, okay, when I feel this, that means it's not for me. The discomfort doesn't mean that I need to stay there. The discomfort Mm -hmm. means that this is not in alignment with me. Mm -hmm. So really like feeling into my response to things and trusting that I know what's best for me. So created a lot of space, a lot of like 
just kind of having fun, basically. Like I came to Texas, was networking and making friends and just enjoying my freaking life and having mm-hmm. no yeah. guilt or shame to that because so many people were projecting so much fear on me. They were like, oh yeah, well, shouldn't yeah. you be working and shouldn't mm-hmm. you be doing this? Mm-hmm. And what about mm-hmm. money? I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I have always figured it out. It has yeah. always worked yeah. out. So yeah. then I read Brene Brown's book, Dare mm-hmm. to Lead. And it was mm-hmm. so good. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to lead a courage revolution. Because if you think about like, what is it that people come to you for? I'm not kidding. So many people, men and women come to me when they're really struggling in this place of like lack and fear, mm-hmm. and they just need someone else that sees them and believes in them. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I want to talk to all the people about everything that they've over- overcome in their lives because they mm-hmm. chose themselves and they had the courage to stand outside and walk away from the crowd. And what you know, the hamster wheel of society says that we need to be doing with our lives and to really inspire people to believe what they don't yet see and to trust the desires that you have are there for a reason and that they actually exist for you on an ulterior timeline that an ultimate time, alternate timeline that you just have to align to. And here's the thing that I've been unpacking in the last year specifically that they don't involve you having to go get it Mm -hmm. or prove that you are worthy of it. You Mm -hmm. have to come home to yourself and know that you are intrinsically worthy just as you are. And no girl, you don't need another damn certificate. You don't need another damn degree. You know, you can feel into being fully worthy. And just the simple fact that you are, you is what makes you qualified to do what you feel called to do. This is the receivership piece, right? So you know you have something, a beautiful gift to give, but you're all caught up in whether or not you really should. Yes. And and this is opening to receiving that and just mm. letting it flow over you and just like acclimatize and be okay with it without an expectation of the outcome. But just as our hair color is naturally given to us, you know, that feeling in your heart is naturally given to you on purpose. So just receive that as a gift and see where it leads. And we don't have to have these life blowing up moments. Like you can exactly (laughs) space and change. (laughs) Pardon me. Although they are fun. They are fun because, you know, um, you get to, you I like I love moving because everything goes in and gets purged and then comes back out and it freshens up the space and there is something but even at home rearrange a drawer reorganize a surface and it all of a sudden it just starts those little shifts where you can see things a little bit differently um and you know you you do as much of that as as you feel called to do as you feel drawn to do like in your case definitely it was energizing and exciting and and opportunistic such good timing and um and you know it's good to take advantage when you have those moments in life too mm-hmm. but then you have that skill set so that regardless of what else comes in life you still know that you can um make significant changes in safety right and and be open to receiving them is how you will get them so you know, it's been an incredible journey of you talking about 
your courage and how you're showing up in those moments, not knowing what was coming, but willing to find out. And if anybody's ever read a really good book, you want to know what finds out, what happens, right? You're just so yeah. in it. And this is what our life experience is. And so when we aren't feeling safe <clears throat> to go out and experience, there's the deeper work to drop in, to slow down and go into like maybe even a hibernating state where take a minute, take a, a mini sabbatical, if you will, not from necessarily a job or parenting or relationships, but finding time in the day to day to sit with yourself and reflect and, you know, observe different things and just ponder, if you will, to um, get the, the, the mind, body and spirit um, tapping into something different. Because if we're overstimulated, if we're in that busy mm then it's it's a numbing out right and it and this the stillness reveals the stillness expands and then can become all these like fun adventures like you've had but can also just become like walking slower eating oh slower, 1000 percent. you know really, oh my gosh just, yeah just chilling out and the beauty that comes from that is indescribable like it's so powerful it's so much bigger than you and so like fulfilling and and peaceful truly peaceful and then from there you just show up in a completely different way in the day-to-day -day stuff which can lead to more and more opportunities um to to make more change well and then to really acknowledge mm -hmm. what's driving you because that's the thing is that, you know, I had to acknowledge, I had to get really brutally honest with myself about what was driving me. Was it my conditioning? Was it these limiting beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, here's the thing is that ultimately we want to get to the place that we are dependent on nothing to feel okay. Right. And especially with the holidays coming and like everybody talking oh, yeah. about family and things like that. It's like, but ultimately you want to be able to exist in any space and be able to maintain your peace. But the thing is, is you have to create that for yourself. Yeah. So it is really getting honest with yourself of like, I didn't realize how much I was keeping myself busy, even when I wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't even understand when people say they're bored because I'm like, I'm never <laughs> bored. That is not, that is not a problem for me. If anything, I have to very consciously undo that. Mm -hmm. And now that I have created, it's so crazy how everything in our life mm -hmm. adds up and it's like, mm -hmm. it completely prepares you for the next phase and you don't even realize it. And this mm -hmm. is where we have to detach ourselves from that knowing, just know yeah. that this is for a reason. So I've created these like amazingly still mornings where it's like very rare that I set an alarm. And, you know, I open my blinds, I hang out with my dog, like we go walk the trail with, I don't take my phone or anything. Mm -hmm. I take time eating my breakfast and doing all kinds of things in the morning where I used to wear this badge of honor of mm -hmm. busy. Okay. I, I used to work. like, yes, I used yeah. to feet at the ground, <clears throat> hit the ground at 445 in the morning. Yeah. And I don't stop till like, I am literally like crashing when I got home from work kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, I could never go back to that. I could never go mm -hmm. back to it. Yeah. And that's been awesome for creating a business because then I create that framework because here's the thing is if you 
you can't be in the same energy of the environment that wasn't right. functional for you. Yeah. You have to take a moment to like kind of get recentered of like what does fit for me and work for me and create from that space. Cause if you're already mm-hmm. in that space of lack and busy and proving your worth and doing, yeah. you're only going to create a business that's going to lead to burnout <clears throat> as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, like you use your business to, to play and to have fun and to make it easy, right. To give it a life of its own and to take off in a way that, um, allows you to just stay very flexible. And like, I mean, I've made so many shifts in how I used to do things with my online space and I, I can't even, fathom how I hold all the pieces that I hold now while still working a full-time job and raising kids and everything. Wow. <laughs> but I say it a hundred times a day. It's not, it's just because it's me being me. It's yeah. me being in that alignment. Right. So yeah. I don't feel resentful. I don't feel overworked. And you guys, I don't pressure myself. And like, you know, I've dropped away from scarcity Mm-hmm. so much and it's not it's maybe never ends but it's like it's okay to rest and it's okay to not push because that attachment like you say perpetuates nervous energy <laughs> and that defeats the purpose so we like just do it for fun and it's soft and it's like it's just it's magical. And this I think is what they call flow, or if you're into sports, they call it the zone, you know, and you're just, you're just capable as much as you're, you're breathing. And that takes courage too, because that was stepping into unknown. That was letting go of previous paradigms. That was letting go of, you know, my strong Capricorn identity and the, the structured self that um, I've said before that my friends of 30 years, you know, still make fun of me for. And I'm like, well, I've changed <laughs> a little bit. Well, for me, <laughs> I, that was also that place of that wasn't my true identity where I was at. Cause I used to be very structured too, structured yeah. also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's the funny thing is that I'm a freaking Gemini. I'm not meant to yeah. be that way. Right. But you adopted it because <clears throat> you were exposed to it. Right. Yes. And I realized that was like one of those other realizations mm-hmm. through my awakening. And especially in the last couple of years mm-hmm. of, I had to take accountability for why I was getting mm-hmm. the results in my life, yes. which for me was, I was very much in my masculine energy because that's mm-hmm. what I was conditioned to yeah. be in and do. Yeah. So I start had to start asking myself, what does that feel like? What does it look like to not be? So that's yeah. why I had to completely take away all the doing because that's very masculine. And I had, had, I had really had to feel into how to be, mm-hmm. which is in your feminine. Mm-hmm. So now that I've created this space of like, I can just be, and I don't have to be doing anything. And I enjoy every minute of it. Mm-hmm. And then that allows me to connect from a different space with people, which is super awesome. And then you just start to magnetize things in, and you're not yeah. chasing it because yeah. that was also part of my conditioning. If you want something, you go after it, yeah. you go yeah. get it, you grind, yeah. you hustle, yeah. you make it happen. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's exhausting. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. Like I'm in my soft girl era. Okay. It's well, and they go together. Right. But it's, it's that separation of you are not what you do. Yes. You are, you are who you are. You are what you be, <laughs> Yes. you know, and, and in the being you lead the doing. And it sounds like that's been a real big shift for both of us and how we show up and Huge. how we're creating our businesses and serving. 
Yes. Huge. And one of the most beneficial, especially for your nervous system. I mean, how much has that improved every area of your life? Like your relationships, your, you as a mom, I mean, I don't have any kids yet, but that was one of my massive drivers of wanting to leave nursing is that I saw my mom friends and how exhausted and short they were. And I was like, that's not fair. That is not fair. I do not want that for my children, my future children or my future spouse to be so drained every day and to just be like short and bitchy all the time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want that for myself. And I don't want to have to miss holidays and kids events. Like, no, I want that freedom to be there for anything and everything that I can. Yeah, absolutely. And it's available now. So Jessica, is there anything you want to um, promote or offer or direct us to, to follow along and improve the courage, like to, practice that skill so that we can embody it and really, you know, live the life that we want to live with. So yeah, your external reality will never change until you learn to master your internal reality. And so something that I talk about with a lot of people and I have, I have coaching packages available or Mm -hmm. individual coaching, Mm -hmm. and then I have a free Facebook group, the courage Mm -hmm. club. And what I've started focusing, talking about is just really, it starts with us. So coming home to yourself and having that awareness and then be able to look at other places in your life and be able to take accountability for your part in those things and be able to take your, have the courage to take your power back Mm -hmm. because you are the creator of your reality and it can be whatever you want it to be. You just have to decide that you are ready to choose yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so beautiful. Wonderful. Well, I'll share the links in the episode description and just been so beautiful to, um, you know, have this conversation with you and and hear the transformation of your life as Mm -hmm. a testament and example of what is very possible regardless of circumstance. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Mia. Thank you.